In this episode, we're going to look at a system for managing small projects from start to finish. This episode series has been broken into three logical sections, covering gathering user requirements, planning and executing, and finally sign-off and delivery. This episode is a little different than what I normally cover, but I thought it would be useful to share a simple project management system that I've been using for many years, as it has helped me a great deal. What follows is not rocket science, and you might actually think it's more common sense than anything else. I've personally used this method for managing around 50 multi-month projects up to around 400k in cost, and includes several staff members. For those not involved with project planning, it can seem like a bit of a black box. A request goes in one end, and a finished product pops out the other. So I thought it would be worthwhile to share a simple project planning system, along with some lessons learned, in the hopes that you'll find it useful. As sysadmins, we typically have two main areas of work, help desk tickets and then projects for larger tasks. Well, what is the difference between projects and tickets? Well, to be honest, the line can get pretty blurred. I typically think of tickets as work that takes less than a couple days to complete, configuration changes or password resets, those types of things. Whereas I think of projects as anything that requires a fair amount of planning, involves several people, or spans more than a couple days of solid work. A good example of a project-type task would be the deployment of new equipment, say in a mass upgrade exercise or hardware lifecycle management. It is a total judgment call as to where you draw the line though, and sometimes you might be working on a ticket and think, this is starting to morph into a project because it requires additional planning. Also, depending on the company you work for and where you are in your career, the ticket-to-project ratio can be all over the place. My personal experience has been that, as my career advances in years, I started working on more project-type tasks, and far less tickets. I think this kind of makes sense, in that, as your career advances, you have more skills, and you are entrusted with additional projects. Your skills grow, so your projects grow in complexity too, and the cycle continues. I think the best way to teach this planning method is to just work through an example project. But before we do that, let me give you a brief overview of what the project planning cycle looks like again at a high level, and how this episode series is broken up. In part 1, which you are watching right now, we're going to cover the initial stages of gathering user requirements for a project. You will likely be surprised at how simple this entire planning process is. We are basically working with glorified checklists, with just enough process so things don't slip through the cracks. In part 2, we're going to cover planning and executing on the project. This is where we'll translate our user requirements into IT requirements by way of a project task list. The idea is that we flush out what needs to be done step by step by breaking it apart into manageable and actionable chunks of work, along with human resource implications. You might be wondering how this system compares with project planning and documentation tools like Basecamp, Trello, Asana, Redmine, or what I prefer, Wikipages and MS Project. Well, personally, I think they are complementary in that you will likely need to flush out the user requirements anyways, then create some type of high-level task list. I think of this planning system as a type of precursor to heavyweight project planning in that if at a later point you want to feed this task list into MS Project or any of the other software packages I mention, you could very easily. But honestly, do whatever works for you. This just works well for me, so I thought I would share it. Then, in part 3, we're going to cover project sign-off and finally delivering the project to the end user. This sign-off might mean different things to different people. I'm talking about internally signing off the project to ensure that we actually delivered on the user requirements and have complied with internal policies and procedures for things like documentation, monitoring, updating inventory, labeling, remote management, password safe entries, etc. 
but we'll chat all about that in part 3. Again, this is basically a glorified checklist, and it is very complementary to using MS Project or something like that. I think it's important to do project planning for several reasons, mainly that it helps you mentally work through a project without actually having to physically do anything. You will start to develop a mental model of what the thing is going to look like, anticipate problems before they happen, and hopefully find solutions too. I'm not going to lie to you, when I first started out as a sysadmin, I thought planning and documenting was a big waste of time. I just wanted to dive in and get my hands dirty, figuring out things as I went, and planning was a roadblock to making that happen. But after many years of work and countless projects, I now know that planning makes things go much more smoothly, does not actually take more than a few hours, and helps find better solutions, and doesn't waste nearly as much time. You will also build up a repository of project plans that you can reuse down the road. And as you encounter issues while working on a project, you will feed this knowledge back into the user requirements and project sign-off checklists so that your future self won't make the same mistakes. Okay, so that is the planning process in a nutshell. So I mentioned before that I think the best way to teach this planning method is to just work through an example project. So let's do that now by defining an example project and then gathering our user requirements. As I talked about in episode 17, I prefer to use wiki pages for pretty much all technical documentation, policies and procedures, along with, you guessed it, project plans. It just allows you and everyone on the team access to a central place where you can all edit and share documents. So with that in mind, here's a basic template for how you can lay out the project planning pages. You can also find these templates in the episode notes below. I've broken this page into two logical sections. First, we have our supporting checklists for things like gathering user requirements and the project sign-off, and finally, our project plans. In my experience, the IT department actually generates the majority of projects itself, rather than some external user. For example, within the past couple of weeks, I worked on a disk upgrade project for a heavily used storage server, which had some aging disks and was almost at full capacity. So while this is still fresh in my mind, let's work through the upgrade planning process, start to finish. Let's open up our user requirements checklist and have a look. I use this checklist as a type of planning aid, something to jog my memory, or to help think about aspects of a project that might not seem obvious at first. For example, what is the deadline? What about forecasting our storage requirements for the coming years? Is our updated hardware going to support growth? What about the supported services? This machine just happens to have many NFS exports and some Samba shares to other servers and several client desktops. What about uptime requirements? How much downtime can be accepted while we upgrade the server? Your list will likely look different based on the type of projects you work on. There's also some lessons to be had in here. For example, these single mode versus multi-mode fiber and SFP GBIC lines. I was once working on a project to deploy a bunch of servers and 10 gig switching gear into a remote data center. We had our own little contained environment which was going to uplink into our hosting provider's network infrastructure via a 10 gig fiber connection. I made the mistake of thinking our hosting provider would use multi-mode fiber just like us. How wrong I was. Fortunately, we built in enough redundancy and had shipped spare GBIX, so we ended up gifting some of our spares to the hosting provider as our 10 gig network uplink. I guess my point is that if you run into these types of issues, you can feed this information back into the planning phase of the project, just so that you don't have to make this mistake again. You will also help out other staff members or your future predecessor to think about these types of mistakes by writing them down. You will notice up here I've written, have the user write, 
or work with them to write a several-sentence overview of the expected result. This several-sentence overview is how I like to start a project plan, by having a little section about what the user expects. In this case, we are the driver for this upgrade project, in that we need to ensure we have enough storage capacity for our user's future growth. Let's jump over to the project planning wiki page for a minute. You will notice that I've already created the storage upgrade 2014 project entry. In the interest of saving time, I've already written a couple sentences to describe the project. So let's go have a look at them. We start the page off with a description of what the project is all about. It is an internal project to upgrade 36 2 terabyte disks with 36 4 terabyte disks on the Mercury Research Server. The goal is to roughly double the raw storage capacity from 72 terabytes to 144, although the usable space will be less. Just in case you're curious, the machine actually looks something like this. 24 3.5 inch drive bays in the front and 12 3.5 inch drive bays in the back along with two 2.5 inch drive bays for OS disks. Oftentimes with a project you'll already know what needs to be done, you just need to create a plan for making it happen. In this case, it was a no-brainer to upgrade the disks, since the hardware was still current, just the disks were getting a little old, so there wasn't much discussion about it. Then just after our brief description, we have a section about user requirements based off our checklist from earlier, and it goes like this. Bob Smith updated the ABC Research Group storage forecast for 2015 to 2017 and submitted a request for 10 terabytes of additional storage on their Mercury research server. They are expecting data to arrive early March 2015. This is low priority until the due date. And the ABC Research Group would like to minimize downtime of NFS and Samba exports during the upgrade process to ensure they can continue to publish research papers based off their existing data. Sounds like a fairly simple job, but when you have close to 60 terabytes of existing data you need to juggle around, all while trying to minimize disruption, you need to have some detailed planning. This is probably the best place to stop this episode. At this point, you should know what the planning steps look like at a high level, what the user requirements checklist looks like, and we have started an example project plan. In part two of this episode series, we'll flush out the rest of the project plan and then start to execute on it. All right, that concludes this episode. Thanks for watching. If you would like to get notified about future episodes, please subscribe to my mailing list. You can do this by going to the Get Notified link in the header and entering your email address. Have questions, comments, or concerns about this episode? What about episode ideas? I'd love to hear your feedback, either good or bad. Shoot me an email, justin at sysadmincasts.com.